0: I love playing catch with, uh, with Deacon, all right? We're, we're kind of a sports family. We're always doing something. He had basketball yesterday, but there's a lot of times where me, being an imperfect father, can take that a little too far, meaning, Dad, would you come outside and play catch to me? I have this Nerf football, and it whistles. Sure, son, let's play catch. All right, five, ten, ten minutes pass. We're just throwing the ball, being goofy, doing trick shots, he just wants my presence. He's out there, and he's just wanting to, to just delight in that. He loves doing the trick shots with the dude perfect, whether it's basketball or baseball or football. He just, loves, he just loves his dad's presence, being there and playing catch. He wants my attention and my affection. And me, the imperfect father, looks at that and tries to be efficient and think, hey, we're out here. We might as well run some place." We might as well run how to. We might as well teach this this young man how to run a slant route. We might as well teach him how to run those curl routes or a post route or how to play good defense. And so what happens is is a good fun loving time of 10 or 15 minutes starts into. We're here. We're going to be efficient. All right. We're gonna we're gonna run these routes. And so I'm like Deacon. I want you to spread out. I'm gonna say set hut, and when I matter of fact, I'm not even gonna say hut. I want you to get used to this. When you see the ball go, you—that's when you go. Like teaching him, he's seven, eight years old. I'm teaching him all of these things that I didn't even learn until I was in high school, and I'm sitting here teaching him how to run these routes and do it the right way. No, Deacon, and I'm not harsh on him. I'm just trying to think, hey, if we're out here and we're spending this time, we might as well make the most of it. And you know what's interesting? As I look back at those times. Making the most of it for him is just presence with dad. He could care less how to run a curl route. He could care less what cover three looks like. He could care less that he false started. And I I said, no, 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 back on the line. You got to watch for the ball. He could care less. He just wants dad's presence. He just wants to play catch. He just wants me to be with him. Just my presence. So many times I, I rush to trying to be more efficient and trying to be uh, just, just in that moment in teaching. And that's kind of how I am with, with the Father. The Father just wants our attention. The Father, God, the Father just wants your attention more than what you can do for him. Hear that. More than what you can do and offer for him, he just wants you. He just wants your presence to sit with him, to to curl up in his lap, to be with him, to spend time with him. The Father is just wanting your affection this morning. So if I could, as we dig into God's word, it's a lot of text, it's a lot of things, a lot of things are gonna be happening. We're gonna be looking at what it means to to walk in our spiritual gifts. All of that is having to do, uh, it speaks into what it means to do for God. A lot of doing, but first, can we just play catch? this morning can we just be in the presence of our father this morning that's what he wants from us more than what you can do and offer him he just wants you to breathe in his goodness be with him this morning let's just be with him so as we look at our text this morning chapter four of Ephesians starting in verse seven let's just play some catch deal there's a lot going to be happening uh, we're not supposed to be making deals at church, but thank you for <laughs> replying. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Look with me this morning. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. If you take notes this morning, the first thing I want you to see is that the father gave himself. There's a lot happening in this first few verses, but I don't want you to miss that the father actually gave us himself. So go back with me. If you think back to Uh, the first few verses that Paul has in this letter. In chapter 1, he begins this prayer of praise immediately with this. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. How? In Christ. Family, that means this. Every good gift we receive is from the Father in heaven the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means every gift that we receive isn't because of anything that we've done. It's because the Son, who is freely given, and now we, as Christian brother and sister, have been united in him. This this theme for Paul just continues all the way out through really all of his letters. Every good gift we receive is made manifest in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Father, the Son... And the Holy Spirit, the one who seals us and applies the gospel to our hearts, the one who guarantees our inheritance as he continues on in chapter one. Family, the greatest gift that we could ever receive is that we get God, and we get all of him. He's not stingy. We get every last ounce of him and all of his victory. When you are united in him, you have access to every spiritual blessing, and that family is worthy of our worship. we got to start there. That is enough, and it is worthy of our worship. And in our text this morning, Paul takes them back to that foundational truth that he started with, and he says, now grace was given to each one of you, of us, according to the measure of whose gift? Christ." gift. That's where we got to start also. Before we get into any of the gifts that he's graciously given to any of you, to any of us, we start with the ultimate gift giver, the Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at what the ultimate gift giver gives us. Verse 8, for it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to people. Now, Now, Paul, I don't have time to go back to this, but he's referencing Psalm 68 here. Psalm 68 is is a a prayer of praise from David of the majesty of who God is in the victory that he brings. He's echoing this. He says, When he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to people. In his victory, the gifts didn't go to him. You are the gift. We are his gifts. We, as Paul says, are his inheritance. And so Paul's just again reminding them. They know Psalm 68. They know all of this. And he's reminding them that when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to his people. And he goes on, but what does it mean he ascended, except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. Family, he gives us himself. The Father gives us the Son. And last week, we talked a little bit uh, about humility. What does that look like? That we would walk worthy of the calling with what? Paul said, with all humility, with all gentleness. Later in chapter 5, we're going to see this beautiful imagery of Jesus and his bride. Paul does a great job. He talks about husbands and wives, and this is what he says in 5 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus, hear me, for his bride, the church, you and I, he left his throne and he came to us. So what Paul's saying here is is he ascended means that at some point the king descended. He had to. If he ascended and went back, That means the king has come to us. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's lifting their eyes here to this beautiful truth that Jesus, the ultimate gift, came to us. And as he does in every letter, specifically I want to read Philippians 2. He says this on humility and on the example we have in Christ, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, what did Jesus do? He emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name. Why? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He, Jesus, King of Kings, humbled himself. He gave everything for you and for I. Do you see let me take it a step further. Do you see the paradox here? Like this beautiful paradox that Jesus came to us, our king, and he did not reign over you with a sword. Instead, it was a cross. In all humility, the king of kings went to the cross, not by, uh, to be matched by his unparalleled strength or might. He didn't take treasure from his people. He the treasure gave you himself. Being our beautiful treasure, he took our sin from us, and what did he do? He lavished us with his grace. That's the King of Kings. Like let that let that sink in this morning. He's not lording over you with a sword saying, you have to do this, you have to do this. No, he's graciously inviting us in to delight in all of him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See that invitation this morning. Are we seeing the beauty in this? I came across this quote this week, A.W. Tozer. He said, oh God, I have tasted thy goodness. And it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. What other love and grace will both satisfy you and leave you tasting and wanting and desiring more of him? There's not another thing on this planet that will leave you with that feeling. Totally satisfied and yet desiring more and more peace and unity and grace and mercy and goodness, and patience, faithfulness, long-suffering. He's gentle. In all humility, he comes to us, the greatest gift. So before we can even talk about these gifts that he's graciously given, what I want this to do for us as a church is that this would drop us to our knees in worship and admiration of who, who King Jesus is. That it would stir your affections to be totally satisfied and yet still Want more of him. I said it a second ago. Like we didn't plant this church to just be another Sunday service where we all just show up and we all just fake it till we make it. And man, we're good. Everything's good. Lord bless you. And then we go out and we just live an empty, just selfish life where it's just all about us. And he says, no, no, no. Start with me. Rest in me. Delight in me. There's no other response to King Jesus than to worship him. Now with that, because I know not everybody thinks about that um, exactly, but how you think and view God will shape who you become. Let me read that one more time. How you think and view God will shape who you become. If he's lord over you and demanding things, guess what? You're probably going to lord over your children and demand righteousness from them. If he's always angry at you, that's what you think, then guess what? You're always going to be angry. But if he's humbled himself and he's gentle, he's loving and he's kind and compassionate, then you, brother and sister, can be that as well. And as Paul writes to the Christian Jews and to Christian Gentiles, he wants them to grow in delighting in Jesus first. He's more interested in making sure we see that the gift giver and the gift, who that is of King Jesus before we worry about any action that we do for God. So just, again, the Father delights in you. He loves you and is pursuing pursuing you. May we as a family grow in our joy and delight humble before joyful in a rallying cry for this year may we grow in that he's the beautiful gift that the father gives us the grace we receive from Jesus is always though to be shared with others so as we delight in him as we start there and you you grow in delighting that love and that adoration it begins to overflow into how you live Begins to be what you talk about. It begins to be how you live your life, what you do. The more you delight in him, the more the spirit will reveal to you how to walk, as Paul says, and how to grow, as he says this week, to look more and more like Jesus. So look with me in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. Y'all, God is the giver of good gifts. Not only does he give us himself that we are to delight in, but he also is the giver of good gifts. The Father gives us the Son. And then the Son gives each of us gifts in order that we would build up and encourage this family of families, this body of believers. Why? So that we would walk worthy, as last week, of the calling that he's given you. Now, Paul... He mentions several specific gifts in our text. He says apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, which are described as, uh, if you will, the leaders of the church, but also members because he says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So not just the leaders are gifted, but every one of us in this room, as a brother or sister in Christ, have been gifted to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Each of us has a role to play in his kingdom. Every one of you in this room this morning, each of us has the same value, level playing field, if you will, the same value, but different roles, different gifts to use in his kingdom for his glory. And we, I, I think we, I can say this, we need each of you, each of us, using those gifts that the Spirit Gives. Think of it like this, like a football team. If the uh, nose guards playing quarterback, the defensive tackle playing receiver, I'm not for sure that's going to work out very well. Right? Like if if the five of us take the basketball court, if if football is not your thing, maybe basketball, five people on the court, if you have all seven foot guys on the court, chances are those dudes aren't running very fast. You need a point guard. You need people out Out wide, yes, you need height, but you need different people who can play different roles. All of us make up one team that we would be growing together in our maturity, as Paul says. So in our family of believers, the church, on our team, if you will, not all of us are going to have the same gift, and I think that's beautiful. I think it's what makes us unique and different. We are a family, each holding the same value but each individual has their own personal spiritual gift that the Spirit has given. Now Paul, again, explains the spe- specifically with leaders and members. And here's his list. The first two he mentions are apostles and prophets. I'm going to let Tony Morita, be on the screen behind me, explain these. Apostle, in a technical sense, refers to the 12 who were with Jesus. And when defined in that way, we don't have apostles anymore. To be very clear. In a general sense, it, it can refer to one who is sent. He goes on and explains prophets. They were forth tellers, even more than future tellers. We see prophets throughout the Old Testament and also mentioned in the early church in the New Testament. Used in technical sense, as with apostles, we don't have biblical prophets any longer. In a general sense, prophets are those who apply God's word To God's people. Now, I just wanted to make that very clear. Tony Morita is great at doing that. We no longer have apostles or prophets. I nor anyone in our church leadership is considered an apostle or a prophet. Now, everyone of us and our benediction, we are sent out on Sunday morning on mission, but not with the authoritative office of apostle or prophet. You don't go into your office and say, "Hey, what's up? My name's Jared Howe." Apostle of Christ Jesus in Grace Church Alito. Like, no, you don't don't go into your office that way. No way. You are sent out, yes, empowered by the Holy Spirit, yes, to just share the good news of Jesus, what he's done in your life. In the same way with the office of prophet. We have folks who have the gift of prophecy. They're not walking around saying, thus saith the Lord. They are just prayerful brothers and sisters who, as the Spirit leads, they help apply God's word to one another's life. Not thus says the Lord, not apostle of Jesus Christ. That was Paul and the apostles in the original. Then, so to just be very clear, apostles, prophets. Then he says, he mentions evangelists. Those defined are those gifted in proclaiming the gospel, the good news. Now hear me on this. Every one of us is called and commanded, if you look at scripture, to do this to evangelize, to herald, to shout from the rooftops the good news of Jesus Christ, boldly proclaiming. That's why one of our distinctives is that we, bold evangelism, like we want people to know what sets us apart, and it is Christ Jesus, and we're going to boldly proclaim that. But some of us are uniquely gifted in that. Some of you can sit there at a lunch table at a diner and get to know your waitress, and before long you are asking uh, the Spirit's leading you to ask the right questions, and you're having great conversations, and before long, this, this gal sees her need for Jesus because you have that gift of evangelism, maybe even unintentionally. You're just having a conversation. You ask the right questions, and you're, you're just getting to know this person. You're present with them, and you're pointing them to Jesus. You are uniquely gifted as an evangelist. We also are all family called and empowered by the Holy Spirit to share that good news. So I don't know. I know we have several evangelists in here who are great and gifted in that. The next Paul mentions is pastor and teacher. In the scriptures, the word Paul uses for the office of pastor is the same throughout as elder, shepherd, overseer, bishop. The Spirit gives gifts for some to be pastors and teachers. Why? Hear me. He explains it very clear. We have no more prophets, no more uh, apostles, we have some great evangelists, but we also have pastors. Why? To equip the saints, the flock, the members. My role, your pastor's roles are to teach and to oversee, to nurture, to defend, to protect, to know, to sacrifice for our flock, for our sheep. And I take that very seriously. I do. I take it very seriously. People ask me all the time, What keeps you up at night? You do. In a very loving and good way. You keep me up at night. And I love that. I care for you. I want to walk alongside you. I want to to know how to help and know how to point you back to Jesus. That's my role. That is my calling that I feel led to walk along, to under shepherd, to care for. Just this week, I had a, a brother call me, a friend. Um, his family's going through some some rough things right now and he just reached out and like three different times he apologized I'm sorry for this I'm sorry I had to call you I I didn't really want to call you I, I didn't want to bother you this is it this is my life and I love it I want to walk alongside you like this is my joy this is my love not so I can be your hero hear me So that I can point you to the hero. So that I can take time and point you to the one who can save and redeem and heal and equip you. I love each and every one of you. But even in that, I'm not the chief shepherd. Not the chief shepherd of this church. I say every week that I'm one of your pastors. And here's why. Jesus is our chief shepherd. He cared for and he protected His people, the author of Hebrews, says that he is the great shepherd. Peter in 1 Peter 2 says that Christ is the chief shepherd. He, Jesus, is the ultimate senior pastor, not me. I'm an under-shepherd. My role, our roles as pastors is to prepare you, to train you, to equip you, as Paul says, God's people, his saints, for ministry. And we all have this unique calling that Christ gave so that we'd walk worthy of the calling we saw last week. And we do that by growing in the spiritual gifts that he's given you. Remember back in chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand ahead of time for you, for us to do. Or we're going to see later in chapter 5 where he says, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, so hear me on this: the the pastor works, and so does the people. So do you. Welcome to Church Planting One Hundred and One. I'm speaking to the choir. All of you that I know that have been around are serving faithfully and helping set up and tear down and grace kids. That's what we mean when we say we are a church where it's every member ministry. Like, I'm not driving the bus and just saying, hey, if you want to hop on this, I'll do all the work for you. I'll take care of it. Y'all just hop on, show up on Sunday. Everything's going to be good. Like, that's not, I can't do that. I can't be that for you. Also, I'm not called to be that for you. I'm called, we are called to every member ministry. So as much as I love to serve and walk alongside each and every, each and every one of you, the reality is, is I'm one person. This church is built around me We all fail. Newsflash, we all fail. I'm failing as your pastor if I'm not equipping you. And to be frank, you, if you center this church on me, are failing to walk worthy of the calling that he's given you. There's people that I'll never be able to reach in Alito, in Weatherford, Hudson Oaks. People in your work office that you could mention, hey, you know, Matt Weaver, he's preaching on Sunday, and they'd be like, who? Who are you talking about? They're going to listen to you before they're going to listen to me. The mission of the church was never designed to be carried by one man. The only one who could do that, who is actually our cornerstone, is Christ Jesus. And he invites you into this beautiful adventure where he takes broken and busted people and he radically saves them. He equips them and empowers them. And then he sends them out to, guess what, a world full of broken and busted people who need a hero. You, Christian, have the hero. That's the beauty of this. We were never designed to be immature consumers where we just show up and it's just all about us. Give me what I want, Lord. Like, how can we just sit on the sidelines and just consume this and consume and become Uh, just consumers that that produce nothing but selfishness. It will always produce servants, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faithful, obedient, humble, gentle, loving servants because we have the perfect example through Christ Jesus, the leader, the cornerstone of our church. That is why we work tirelessly and selfishly Not to earn our favor, but because he's put his favor on us. And you want more people. You want more people to experience that freedom that you have in Christ, to walk worthy. So as you lay down your life, your pride, your selfishness, the good shepherd then raises you up to this new life. He's equipped you. He's empowered you, even in your weaknesses, to use the gift that he's given you. There's nothing greater for you to do with your life than to spend it for glory of our Redeemer, the glory of the one true king and the advancement of his kingdom, not your own. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. What are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? What are you doing with those gifts? There's a lot here. I mean, this is literally, we, we spent uh, six months at our last church, Grace Southwest, before they planted us. We walked through spiritual gifts. I've got like two minutes, 30,000 foot view of what this looks like practically for you. This week in our weekly, we'll send out the definitions of spiritual gifts, try to just encourage you, try to just push you into what might you be doing for the Lord? What are your passions? How do you figure out these gifts? Well, you do that in community around brothers and sisters. You do that together. And for an example, 30,000 foot view, very quick, is that spiritual gifts played out in a community group. Let's say you're, you're sitting around, there's, there's 10 to 14 adults, and kids are going crazy, and it's time to kind of just settle in and get into uh, some heart things. You're sitting around your community group, and a brother shares this, this word of, of bad news that he got at the doctor. He's got some terrible health problems. And it's not looking very good. All right, in that moment, a community group, when brothers and sisters are using the gifts that God's given them, here's how that might look. Instantly, as somebody shares terrible news, the person with the gift of mercy is probably going to stand up, probably going to walk over and just lay hands on that brother, just while they're sharing. Just, man, mm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this. as, As he's sharing his heart. Right, That's what we want, vulnerability. We want you to, to share in this. Your grievances, your, your good times, and the bad times. The person with the gift of mercy doesn't even say a word, just knows, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go just put my hands on this brother. The person with the gift of service is, is hearing the children in the background and can tell that this moment's getting a little heavy and the kids are getting a little restless. And that person with gift of service is probably going to leave that, not out of disrespect to this brother, but out of respect and love and operating in his gift. And he's going to go and he's just going to be with the children. He's just going to serve the rest of the group so that that brother can enter into a very vulnerable moment. It's a gift of service. Probably also the gift of service is thinking, all right, it's going to be a rough few months here. Meal train. Like that person's already wired and thinking, we're going to do meals. I'm going to go over. I'm going to fold their laundry. I'm going to do all this stuff. They're already thinking about that. The person with the gift of faith is is standing up and saying, hey, brother, thank you for sharing that. I think we right now we just need to pray. And that person might even pray and ask God for healing. But that person with the gift of faith is also putting their faith back in God who will, will say a prayer and ask for healing. But God, even if you don't, we still will bow to no other God. And they're praying. And that person with the gift of prophecy, you know what that person's doing? God, would you just give me a, a word? Would you just give me a, a, a verse that I can cling to with this brother? And as the prayer is going and, and it's about to say amen, the person with the gift of faith, does anybody else have anything? That person stands up and said, man, I, as you were praying, I really felt like uh, Psalm 68, like we just needed to camp out in there. I'm going to read this because I feel like, feel like there might be a word here for, for our brother just of, of long suffering, but also that God's victorious and that he loves you. Like, my goodness, I just explained a community group that probably all of us want to be a part of. That is what God's calling us into. Use the gifts that he's given you. What makes you passionate about sharing God's word? And I could go on and on, but all of that is working together to build up the body of Christ. Christ is the giver. We model that and we, in turn, are able to be generous givers with the gift and the resources that we've received. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity in faith and in knowledge of God's Son, hear me, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be. Why do we operate in the gifts? Why do we grow in them? So that we're no longer tossed by waves, as Paul says, and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ from the whole body fitted together by every supporting ligament. You matter, hear me, you matter. You have a gift that you can use. You matter. Promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual, by the proper working of each individual part. In in closing, I'm going to step away and trust the spirit here. In closing, that we would grow to look more like Christ, the fullness of Christ. Like that, That's my prayer for us. I feel like all through this series, every week I walk away with a different prayer for us. And this week it's that, that you, brother and sister, would grow in fullness. And you, if you're not a believer, that you would jump in on this that you would just get amped up and think, oh my gosh, I've never heard God explain that he actually loves me, he pursues me in all of my busted, broken, everything. He still loves me and he wants to use me. That means you, brother and sister, in all of your shame and guilt that nobody knows about, he can still use you in that. Not just your good things. He can use every area of your life and chances are in your broken, busted Things that you're holding on to with shame and guilt, guess what? He probably wants to use that to help somebody else be surrendered from the busted shame and guilt that they're walking through. And if you have Jesus, then you owe it to that brother or sister to say, Hey, I was there. In the lowest of lows, I've been there. Like, you have no idea that I've been there, but I have. And you know what? God moved towards me. And it's been five years, but, but God's really growing in me in this area. And I still wrestle with this. But I just want you to know, brother, or sister, it doesn't have to stay that way. So I don't know where you find yourself this morning. But I, I just want you to know that he loves you and he wants you to delight in all of him. And in that, as you do, the more you delight in him, the more it overflows The more you become more like Jesus, the more people are like, you have something that I've never had or experienced. That community group, that's a real community group, just to be very clear. That example of the the people and the gifts working out, that is attainable, and I have seen it happen. And if you've never experienced it, I'm praying that as you find your way in this messy family of families, that you would feel, love, grow to know, and experience the grace of God like never before. Lord, we, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. This morning, I, I pray that you would um, stir in our hearts as we delight in you, that we are able to see the gifts that you give us, not for our own good, like to, to hoard and, and not use, but for your glory and ultimately our good. You, the ultimate beautiful gift giver, has g- you've given us yourself You've given us all the things we need for life and godliness. Your word, brothers and sisters, Lord, you've you've set this up in community. Help us to walk in that, to grow in maturity with stature measured by your fullness. This is totally countercultural. Like this, this rubs against everything in our culture that says you do you, you figure yourself out. You just love yourself. You just take care of yourself. Father, thank you for not just taking care of yourself. Thank you that you made a way through your son, Jesus. Help us, Lord. We, we need you. There's a lot thrown at us this morning. But would we just sit with you and just play some catch? I'm thankful you don't try to rush things up. Nobody has to walk out of here fully matured. That won't happen until we take our last breath here and our first breath in your presence. Glorification will take place, but right now, would we just sit with you, ponder and think what might you have for us today? And all of our inadequacies, that you still want to use us, then God, if, if we're struggling to trust you in those areas, would you just gently remind us that we can we can go from closed fist and we can just turn our hands over and we can open up our hands. He knows everything. You know everything. The darkest shame and secrets in our lives, may we not hide from that this morning. May we just be open-handed and say, what would you have for me today? And maybe you don't even move on from delighting in him today. You've been so so busted and so cynical towards him. You just need to to be reminded of his goodness. Maybe you're anxious to grow, and he's just saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just play catch. Let's just play catch. In Jesus' name.